Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. Good afternoon, UAW family. For the third time, I am honored to announce that we have yet another victory in our stand-up strike. After six weeks, the United Auto Workers Union announced that they had come to tentative agreements with Ford, Stellantis, and General Motors. The deals marked the end of a difficult chapter for President Joe Biden and a major moment in America's electric vehicle transition. The auto workers had some major concerns about EVs, and that was a major part of the strike. At the same time, you saw President Biden try to balance his EV goals with his support for organized labor. That was Politico's James Baikalis, and he's been tracking the strike negotiations. So today, we chat with James about what the union won, what this means for the electric vehicle industry, and how it could all impact President Joe Biden's political and clean energy goals. It's Wednesday, November 1st. So the more than six-week-old strike might be nearing its conclusion now. The United Auto Workers have reached deals with Ford and then Stellantis and then GM in quick succession over the past couple of days. And if the union membership votes to pass these agreements, then the strike will be over and those agreements will be in effect for the next four years. The strike cost the companies billions of dollars, they've said, and disrupted a lot of production of various vehicles and resulted in layoffs of workers, you know, who may not have necessarily been in the union, but were at suppliers and and other plants. So this strike uh, being over will be, you know, a boon for the companies and also for the White House being able to move past a potential threat to the economy. In terms of what the union won, they didn't win all the concessions that they were looking for, like a 40% wage increase and a 32-hour work week. But it was still a historic agreement. They won a lot more than they had in previous contracts, including a 25% wage increase at all three of the automakers. We only have the details of the agreement at Ford so far, but we know that that agreement includes restoration of the cost of living increases that had gone away after the Great Recession. So that was a major win for the union. Ford is also eliminating the tier system and bringing up wages for temp workers, which were major sticking points in the negotiations. Interesting. Okay. And one big piece of the strike negotiations was also about electric vehicles. Can you remind us what the UAW's fears were exactly and what they ended up securing in these deals to address those fears? Yes, absolutely. So EVs were a major part of the negotiations here. And it was really kind of at the core of the union's concerns about their jobs going forward. They were worried that, you know, as the EV transition moves forward, jobs might be shifted to other plants, or there might be fewer positions if there, you know, is shifts in terms of the manufacturing lines and and the number of workers required to build the vehicles. So they, you know, wanted to use these negotiations as the EV transition really starts to ramp up to make sure that they were securing their employment going forward. 
In terms of the actual negotiations around EVs, the big question was how the automakers and the union would deal with battery plants, which are really a new piece of the car manufacturing supply chain. The union wanted to make sure that automakers couldn't shift jobs over to these non-union battery plants and then eliminate positions that were covered by the union. So ultimately, we don't know all the details of the agreements yet, but what we do know is that both Ford and GM included in the agreements path for workers at at least some of these battery plants to be included under the master agreements with the union. And that's important because it allows the workers at those facilities to be covered by the contract and all the wage increases and and benefits without the union having to individually go to each plant and organize unionization there. Got it. What does this all mean for President Joe Biden? We know that the president was very supportive of the UAW, but also his EV goals were on the line here a bit. So what is the impact of these deals on both his political and his EV goals? Yes, these deals will definitely allow President Biden to take a little bit of a breath, as I mentioned, to this potential threat to the economy. But also, he's really staked out a strong position in these negotiations supporting the union. He used the strike to become the first president to ever come out to an active picket line. So this strike can help him burnish his credentials as the most pro-union president in history, as he likes to say. In terms of EVs, this strike definitely put into stark contrast two of his competing priorities, supporting organized labor and the clean energy transition. But I think these agreements that include, you know, a path for the battery plant workers and also these historic wage increases can also be a demonstration that there is sort of a middle ground path where, you know, as the president has liked to say, you know, his climate laws can help build up a new clean energy economy and create new jobs rather than resulting in job losses, while also moving quickly towards clean energy and electric vehicles. Also, the Biden administration approved the construction of the largest offshore wind project ever in the United States on Tuesday. It's called the Coastal Virginia Offshore Wind Project, and it's expected to generate enough power for 660,000 homes once fully constructed in late 2026, according to Dominion Energy, the developer of the project. It's the fifth time the Biden administration has approved a commercial-scale offshore wind project, part of the president's aim to bring online 30 gigawatts of offshore wind energy by 2030. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is working to responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.